0: Good to see you, church. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 2, the last book in the Old Testament. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find our passage on page 849. The minor prophets like Malachi were the Lord's prosecuting attorneys who brought charges against Israel. Malachi means my messenger. And here in chapter 2, Malachi's message is for other messengers of the Lord, namely the priests. You see in verse 1 that this decree is for you priests. Malachi indicts the priests on their failure to oversee the offering, their failure to teach without partiality, a failure to live up for the standard to which they were to be teaching. Last week we began our study... On the book of Malachi by examining the danger of impure religion in Malachi 1. In today's message on Malachi 2, 1-9, we're going to reflect on the danger of impure ministers. The danger of impure ministers. In this section, we find direct language for spiritual leaders who had morally and ministerially failed. Even though worship had been reinstated through rebuilding the Jerusalem temple, worship had degenerated. Respect for the Lord had been lost. The priesthood had become corrupt. The leaders had turned away from God's ways. And the Lord's people had suffered as a consequence. This passage has direct relevance for ministers today. What God calls us to in leading the people of God. But Malachi 2 also has relevance for all of us. Because it also calls us not to reject this covenant of life and peace in Jesus Christ. It demonstrates for us what it looks like to not take God's word to heart. And it informs our responsibility as church members to hold accountable the pastoral ministry of this church. Let's read together Malachi 2 verses 1 through 9. Therefore this decree is for you priests. If you don't listen... And if you don't take it to heart to honor my name, says the Lord of Armies, I will send a curse among you, and I will curse your blessings. In fact, I have already begun to curse them because you are not taking it to heart. Look, I am going to rebuke your descendants, and I will spread animal waste over your faces, the waste from your festival sacrifices, and you will be taken away with it. Then you will know that I sent you this decree so that my covenant with Levi may continue. Says the Lord of armies. My covenant with him was one of life and peace. And I gave these to him. It called for reverence and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth and nothing wrong was on his lips. He walked with me in peace and integrity and turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should desire instruction from his mouth, because he is the messenger of the Lord of armies. Verse 8. You, on the other hand, have turned from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have violated the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of armies. So, in turn, so I, in turn, have made you despised and humiliated before all the people, because you are not keeping my ways but are showing partiality in your instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, would you impress these truths upon our hearts so that we revere you, stand in awe of your name, have a pure ministry, and thus honor you as our God. Do this by the aid of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. From this passage, we see three characteristics of impure ministers. Three characteristics of impure ministers. The first is found in verses 1 through 3. And it's that impure ministers disregard God's warnings. Impure ministers disregard God's warnings. Look with me at verse 2. God says, if you don't listen, if you don't take to heart to honor my name, says the Lord of armies... I will send a curse among you, and I will curse your blessings. In fact, I have already begun to curse them because you are not taking it to heart. Numbers chapter 6 teaches us that the priests were to announce blessings on the people of Israel. The Lord in that chapter spoke to Moses, telling him, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. You should say to them, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. But as we come to Malachi 2, we see the opposite is happening. The priests are not blessing the Israelites. The Israelites are being spiritually harmed Because of the priest's ministerial failures. The danger of these ministries can be summarized by the curses that the priests are experiencing. And that they will continue to experience if they do not repent. We see in verse 3 that these curses will be extended to their descendants as well. So God instructs the priests that their present curses should be getting their attention. And leading them to repentance. But how often, friends, in our own lives do the troubles and trials, clearly from God, how often do these not properly humble us? How frequent do the consequences of our sin upon others not get our attention and do not jolt us into change? What you'll note about these opening verses is something that's true of all of us in our sinful condition. We are slow to take God's word to heart. We presume upon the Lord's grace. We defer repentance until a more dire moment. But God is telling the priests, and He's telling us, do not do that. Do not defame the Lord's name. He's instructing the priests that these curses are meant to direct them back to God's way and covenant. So they need to repent. Don't continue, priests, to disregard my way and my warnings. What the Lord focuses on in verse 2 is the condition of the priest's hearts in failing to honor his name. As Pastor Jared stated last week, mere obligation does not create devotion. It doesn't create devotion for our Christian lives and it does not create devotion for Christian ministers. You would think that these men who are messengers of the Lord of hosts, ministers of the Holy One of Israel, they would fulfill their duties in the fear of God. But they don't. And the reason given for why they do not is because the condition of their hearts prevented them. They had not taken the Lord's word to heart. And friends, this is the root problem of all of our unfaithfulness. Perhaps, yes, sometimes it is the fact that we do not properly understand what the Lord has said. And that's a problem all of its own. We need to understand the whole counsel of God so that we can properly faith and faithfully live for Him in all circumstances of life. But in this case, it's not that the priests did not know what they were to do. It's that they did not have the heart to obey it. This is why Hebrews 2 says, We must pay closer attention to what we have heard so that we may not drift from it. Any time. We fail to carry out our duties, whether it be as Christians, parents, workers, or in this case ministers. It's because God's word has not impacted us deeply enough. And at the start of the year, church, this is a call not just to know our Bibles better. Not just to read more of the Bible. That is wonderful and good and true and right for all of us to do. But it is more so a call for Bible meditation. Pondering and Meditating and considering what the Lord God has said. When we read the Bible, we are getting God's word into our minds. But when we meditate on God's word, we are getting it into our hearts. We are to dwell on the word of God richly. The priests knew how they were to serve, but they failed to do so. Because they didn't take God and His commands to heart. We find in verse 7 the description that these priests were messengers of the Lord. And that phrase is typically used for an angel of the Lord who speaks directly for God. There were Old Testament texts that inform us that God assigned a teaching role to the priest. Normally when we think about priests, we think about intercession, we think about sacrificial offerings, we think about the association with the temple, and all of those are certainly true. But Malachi too, you'll note, focuses on the priest's instruction. Those Old Testament texts include Leviticus 10.11, which says that the sons of Aaron are to teach the Israelites all the statutes that the Lord has given them through Moses. Moses said to Levi in Deuteronomy 33, teach Jacob your rules and Israel your law. In verse 9, it says that the priest showed partiality to certain people in their instruction. First, the priests were partial to people over God. That is, they feared people more than the Lord Himself. And that led to partiality in their teaching. Here's the unfortunate contrast that Malachi 2 is presenting us. The priests, the messengers of the Lord of hosts, were not listening to God. In the words of Romans 2, the priests were teaching others but not teaching themselves. And Scripture holds those accountable that do such. For those who teach God's Word but do not listen to God's Word, Scripture says to them, Woe to you! It ought not to be so. We have in Ezra, a contemporary of Malachi, an example of a priest who faithfully taught the Word of God. Ezra chapter 7, verse 7 verse 10 says, Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. That is the template for all ministers to first obey and examine the scripture, to put it into practice and then to teach others. But as it was with the priests, they were teaching others, but they were not obeying the Lord's commands personally. we can summarize an impure ministry as one that speaks on behalf of God with a heart that is undevoted to God. All pure ministry begins with a personal walk with the Lord. That's why there are qualification texts in the New Testament, such as 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, texts that we should know, texts that we should Follow. Those texts are in the New Testament because the foundation of all faithful ministry is personal godliness. The character of a man is not just crucial to get the man into ministry, it is a ministry all its own. Robert Marie McShane was right when he said the greatest need of a people is the pastor's own holiness. Unless ministers themselves abide in Jesus Christ, the fruit of of their ministry over time will be taken over by thistles. The Lord continues in verse 3. He says, "Look, I'm going to rebuke your descendants, and I will spread animal waste over your faces, the waste from your festival sacrifices, and you will be taken away with it." Very direct language about the kind of action the Lord will render these priests if they do not repent. The waste refers to the dung of these sacrificed animals which was defiled. It was to be burned outside the camp. But since the priests had defiled God, God was going to figuratively defile the priests through smearing the waste on their faces. He was going to make known to the people what was known about the condition of the priest's heart, which is they should not be in the position they're in. But the Lord would not only smear the waste on their faces... Like the waste that was taken away from the sanctuary, God threatens to carry the priests off also. The fate of these priests was going to be the same as the dung of the sacrificed animals if they did not repent. And then we come to verse 4. Then you will know that I sent you this decree so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of armies. Perhaps you were reading Malachi 2 this week. And you're thinking about this covenant with Levi and you're saying, where is this mentioned in the scripture? Well, the reference to a covenant with Levi does not have a clear biblical marker. There's no direct passage that narrates the making of a covenant with any of Jacob's sons. Nehemiah 14 does refer to a covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Perhaps God's covenant with Levi refers to the Lord's covenant with Phinehas, a descendant of Levi through Aaron, recorded in Numbers 25. But I think Matthew Harmon argues persuasively that my covenant with Levi, quote, refers poetically to the responsibilities that God entrusted to the tribe of Levi and the priests descending from Aaron, end quote. I think that's a helpful summary. The priests had violated the responsibilities given to Levi, the son of Jacob, from whom all the priests came. The warnings to the priests serve as a clear warning to all ministers. Actual and aspiring. To quote James 3.1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And that judgment has come upon the priests. They are being judged with strict, greater strictness. They are being warned. They are being exhorted to return to the ways of God. So we see that impure ministers disregard God's warnings. But secondly, impure ministers distort Scripture's teaching. They distort Scripture's teaching. As we saw last week in Malachi 1, God's name will be great among the nations. All that God does, He does for His glory, so that people see who He is and they worship accordingly. Malachi 1 recounts how the priests have despised and profaned the name of God The Lord had appointed the priest to offer sacrifices, intercede for the people, teach the law, maintain purity, preserve the temple and bless the people. And in all of those duties, the priests were to revere God. They were to carry out their service in the fear of the Lord. Verse 5 says, My covenant with Levi was one of life and peace, and I gave it to them. It called for reverence, and he feared me and stood in awe of my name. The Levitical covenant is a covenant of fear, verse 5 says. And this fear is the fear of the Lord. It's that profound awe, respect, and reverence that we have for the maker of heaven and earth. But it was this absence of the fear of God that led to their ministry failure. Yes, in one sense, the priest did not adequately think about their responsibilities as priests. But more fundamentally... The priests failed in their ministry because they did not think deeply enough about God. The priests did not walk with God. And as a result, their integrity was compromised. Their teaching became partial. And all of that flowed out of a heart that felt little of God's glory. There's a note in verse 5 that we should pick up on. Because it communicates that God supplies what He calls for. Look with me again at verse 5. My covenant was one of life and peace. And I gave it to them. So in serving the Lord. The priests at one time experienced. This life and peace. Life in the sense that they were not. Immediately struck dead. For the sacrifices that were impure before the Lord. But the, p- the priests also abandoned peace. That comes with revering God's name. And here again we find application for our own lives. For when Have we rejected God's ways that we have found life and peace elsewhere? How much more is the new covenant a covenant of life and peace? Spiritual life and peace with God. Let's not turn from that covenant. The devil would have us abandon the life and peace with God for things that are not such. But the ways of this world, friends, you know, do not provide life and peace. The most wondrous experiences in this life as a Christian come from walking in the ways of God in conformity to His Word. But the priests had forfeited that. They had turned away from that covenant of life and peace for unfaithfulness. So we need to know that the start of the demise of the priests... Was their disregard for God. How could they teach His word in reverence if they didn't revere the Lord? If they didn't stand in awe of God's name. They would not be capable to lead others to live in that awe. But that is what the covenant called for. It called for holiness and devotion to God's honor. This was the central component of their ministry and of any ministry to exalt God in worship. But the priests fell short of that calling and they violated the covenant. Here in Malachi 2, we see a visual of a ministry in vain. The Lord says in verse 8, you have turned from the way. Verse 9, you are not keeping my ways. In other words, the priests were no longer an example of following the Lord. But there's more. They're living and teaching. Had been corrupted with falsehood. Look at verse 8. You have caused many to stumble. By your instruction. As we've discussed from verse 7. The minister of the word is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. But although the priests were to be God's messengers. They were leading God's people to where God did not intend. Away from the Lord. We do not know from Malachi's book, exactly what was being taught or not taught by the priest. But I think we are given a glimpse of of the setting, of the disposition of God's people as a result of the priest's ministry in chapter 3 verse 14. Where it says that there was a belief that it is useless to serve God. What have we gained by keeping His requirements and walking mournfully before the Lord of armies? You know why the people are saying that? Because the priests have believed that. And the priests have taught that. And they have not taught against it. The disposition of God's people was connected to the weak teaching of the priests. So the problem with the priests is the same problem with all impure ministers. Faulty teaching and false living. And both of those components, false life and false doctrine, do harm to God's people. Which is the third Characteristic of impure ministers. Impure ministers damage God's people. The consequences of the priest's failings were not only personal. They were generational. Verse 3 says. But they were also corporate. The priest did not consider the impact their ministry would have on the people of God. And here I want to focus again on verse 8. You have turned from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. Stumbling is imagery that connotes disbelief in God. We see from the covenant of Levi that they were to lead people out of iniquity, not into iniquity. But in Malachi's day, the priests had caused many to stumble spiritually. Hosea 4.6 addresses the priest when God writes, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, for you have rejected knowledge, since you have forgotten the law of your God. The nation was ignorant because the priests had not taught the law. The people were not desiring God's word because the mouths of the priests were speaking wrong. They were not rendering true instruction. And you'll note in verse 8 that instruction is the stated reason for the people's stumbling. And we can infer here that there was a lack of solid teaching and preaching. True instruction was not taking place. That phrase true instruction I think refers to the character of the teacher. And the content of the teaching that coheres with God's word. And friends, we're reminded in these verses how critical teaching and preaching and theology and doctrine are. People stumbled in Malachi's day by the priest's instruction. Having accurate doctrine, having sound theology matter for people's lives. When we are not preaching, when we are not teaching when we are not instructing accurately from the scripture, it negatively affects people's spiritual lives. This not only refers to every sermon preached, but every lesson given. And the lives that people deserve as that teaching is undergoing. The priests, verse 6 says, were to guard knowledge. That is, they were to know the whole counsel of God. They were to convey it. They were called to Israel to walk with God. But here again, the fundamental issue with the priests is that they were not walking with God and the direction they were walking was away from the Lord. Unfortunately, there were people behind them doing the same. And as we reflect on verse 8, we come face to face with the tragedy of ministry malpractice. The priests turned from God's way And simultaneously turned the people from God's way as well. The ripple effect is seen in verse 7 where the people should desire instruction from the mouth of the messenger but do not. The priest became a source of stumbling to the people instead of an example and inspiration of devotion to God. And it says there in verse 8 that the impurity of the priest impacted many people. By their immature lives, by their faulty doctrine, the priests hindered God's people instead of helping them. As we've already touched upon, verse 7 says that the minister of the word is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Ministers are messengers insofar as they're teaching in accordance with and not contrary to what the scripture says. But the problem was that the, me- the priests were messaging falsely. They were messaging falsely in their teaching, in their living, in their leadership. They were saying untrue things about God, both in what they actually said, but also in how they lived. And this is what ungodly authority does ungodly authority presents a wrong view of what God is like and what it looks like to serve Him. The danger of impure ministers and their misused authority is how it misrepresents God to those under it. That's the big idea. The sins of teachers and church leaders is grievous, yes, because of the sins committed against God, but also because of The sins committed against God in the position that they hold. It's grievous because of the false testimony that it bears. It's grievous because of the compounded negative influence it has on the followers. Now some of you as you read verse 8 might think about how you have stumbled spiritually from an impure minister. A minister has damaged your walk with the Lord in some way. Perhaps it was His hypocrisy, inconsistency, worldliness, partiality, greed, harshness, even abuse. Maybe it was the minister's insensitivity and cowardice. For those of you in the room who have had that experience, God is saying something to you in Malachi chapter 2. God is saying that He hates impure ministries. He hates it far more than you do. God is reminding you in this chapter that He will not sit idly in judgment, but that He intends to bring a full recompense to those ministers on the last day. It will be a recompense far worse than smearing animal waste on their faces. The Lord will act. He will act in love, He will act toward His people, He will vindicate them, He will not be silent. The Lord of hosts, the God of armies, the almighty God will make the unrepentant despised and humiliated. Verse 9. And so you can trust Him. That He will make all things right in the end. But He's also saying something about your own walk with God in this passage. He is saying that the hypocrisy of impure ministers should not keep you from experiencing the life and peace found in Jesus Christ. The great God of our salvation, the pastor of our hearts, the Lord Almighty, is the one who never fails you. He is so different than the impure ministers we see in Malachi 2. He's so much different than the impure ministers that may have impacted your own life. So don't turn from the Lord because people have misused authority. The Lord always uses His authority. For your good. So receive his healing. Do not let hypocritical Christian leaders drag you away from the church. Drag you away from the scripture. Drag you away from following the Lord. Or at worst drag you to hell through their error. And friend also. Don't let ungodly authority blind you to real godly authority that exists with the help of God. Authority that is pure, accountable, life-giving, peaceable. Listen to these last words of King David in 2 Samuel. These are the last words that David speaks and he touches upon this matter of authority. He says in 2 Samuel 23, When one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning. Like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. David says where you see godly authority. Where you see leadership in the fear of God. You see blessing. You see light. You see life. You see prosperity. That's what it looks like to wield authority in the fear of God. And that's the kind of authority that can exist in a fallen world. So look for it. Treasure it. Protect it in your own life. As we continue to meditate on Malachi 2, it's necessary for us to consider the similarities and differences between Old Covenant priests and New Covenant Ministers, You'll want to note that the New Testament never uses the term priest to describe a pastor or elder of a church. And that's a very important theological interpretive point. Christ is our priest. He is our permanent priest. Christ's death was the one time death for sin and his life is indestructible through his resurrection from the dead. We need no other mediator other than the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. When we come to God in the name of Jesus our Lord, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, knowing that we will receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. The author of Hebrews says, This is the priest we have, holy, innocent, Undefiled, Separated from sinners. And exalted above the heavens. You need to know today. Whether your background be Catholic or not. That you can come directly to God through Jesus Christ. He is the one and only priest. Who can take away your sin. Who can usher you into the holy of holies, into heaven itself, into the very presence of God. He does so through His perfect life. He does so through His death on the cross where He takes away your sin. He does so through being raised on the third day and being exalted to the right hand of God the Father. If you're not a Christian today, that is the most crucial message you must take to heart. Christ is the only way for you to be cleared from iniquity. He is life and peace itself. We all need Christ the true priest because he perfectly revered God and feared God. He had no iniquity upon himself and he cleanses us from all of our impurity and iniquity. He's the priest who never did a single wrong. He's the priest who was taken outside the city gates where he was crucified on a cross. Where he was humiliated and despised for our redemption. Who takes away the curse of our disobedience. By taking the curse upon himself. This priest, Jesus Christ, is the Lord of armies, God himself. Whose salvation is available to all who call on his name. So do that today. Turn away from your sins. Receive the forgiveness and eternal life that God has. Receive the life and peace that are in Jesus. So the New Testament teaches us that the old covenant priesthood is made obsolete. Because there's a superior priesthood in Jesus. So on the one hand, the office of priest is not applied to pastors or any official New Testament position. It's mainly applied to Christ. Which means that there are certain priestly responsibilities that are discontinued. Like offering sacrifices for sins. But on the other hand, there are some duties that continue from peace priest to pastors. In short, priests were to teach and guide Israel. And that that is a good summary of what elders are to do in the church. Just like the priests were to guard knowledge, elders, according to Titus 1, must hold to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able to exhort with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. Pastors are to guard the whole counsel of God from distortion and misuse. Pastors are to labor in preaching and teaching so as to rightly divide the word of truth. Teachers, new covenant teachers, they too are messengers of the Lord. Imperfect, fallible, but messengers nonetheless when they teach as God would have them. As they speak, as God has spoke, saying thus, saying, saying, thus saith the Lord in their teaching. You might be familiar with the titanic Southern Baptist figure, W.A. Criswell. He pastored the First Baptist Church, Dallas, Texas, for 50 years. And he gave an illustration to this point. He said When a man goes to church, he often hears a preacher in the pulpit rehash everything that he has read in the editorials, the newspapers, and the magazines. On the TV commentaries, he hears the same stuff over again, yawns, and goes out and plays golf on Sunday. But when a man comes to church, actually what he is saying to you is this, preacher, I know what the TV commentator has to say. I hear him every day. I know what the editorial writer has to say. I read it every day. I know what the magazines have to say. I read them every week. Preacher, what I want to know is, does God have anything to say? And if God has anything to say, tell us what it is. This is the role of teachers of God's word. Tell us what God has said. Church, this is what you should hold every teacher of God's word to. Do they say what God has said? And do they say it accurately? And do they live it in their life? According to Ephesians 4, pastors are gifts to Christ's church. They equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So we have spent time so far examining impure ministries. Impure ministers. But it's also helpful to state it positively. What would a pure ministry look like? A pure ministry looks like walking with God in integrity, revering God's name, faithfully teaching the scripture, blessing the people, leading them to turn away from iniquity to God in faith. It looks like those qualifications passages being characteristic of their life. No pastor is perfect. No minister is without failure in some respect. And yet there's a kind of consistency in their life and doctrine. That helps God's people make it to heaven. Malachi 2 instructs us that you need to know what ministry is before you enter it. If you're an aspiring pastor, you need to know what ministry failure looks like so that you can avoid it. And for our congregation, we need to know what a pure ministry is so that we can oversee it as church members. Especially in this season where we're considering the possibility of adding elders to our church, there there are perennial questions we should be asking of our current ministers and of our future ministers. Questions such as, what does this man think about God? Is this man passionate about God's glory? Is he able to identify doctrinal error and explain the truth with theological clarity and interpretive helpfulness? Does he walk with God? Is this the... Same man in private as he is in public. What does his family think about him? Is he leading and loving his family? Does he care well for his wife if he's married? Does he help other people follow Jesus Christ? If the answer is yes to those questions, those are the kind of men that our congregation wants to honor, obey, and submit to in the Lord. May God give this church grace to affirm and follow godly authority as well as to identify and reject ungodly authority. Malachi 2 is telling Liberty Baptist Church, choose your leaders carefully and pray for your pastors. Continue to be invested in the ministry because, as we read from 1 Peter 2, you are the new covenant kingdom of priests. Who have the final earthly authority on the teaching, membership, and leadership of this church. You are the holy priesthood that must protect God's people from impure ministers. I want to close by returning to the opening section of Malachi 2. Because what we see in these verses is yes, a clear warning, but also hope for repentance and change. The priests have sinned grievously. But despite the strong rebuke, Malachi also urges the priests to repent, to turn back to God, to uphold the covenant, and to fulfill their responsibilities. Look back with me at verse 2. If you don't listen, if you don't take it to heart to honor my name, says the Lord of armies, I will send a curse among you and I will curse your blessings. Do you see the if then structure? This serves as a warning of pending judgment, but it also serves as a promise of grace. In other words, if the priests do listen, if they do take it to heart to honor God's name, then the present and future curses would cease, life and peace with God would be restored. God is speaking in His grace directly to the priests and saying, if if you continue down that road, if you don't take my word to heart, There's nothing but pain for you in the future. Malachi 3 teaches us that there came a point here. Maybe not for the priest, but for some of the people of God, where they finally humbled themselves. It says in Malachi 3, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord took notice and listened, and the Lord had compassion on them when we finally get to the point of fearing the Lord, turning away from the sin, God has compassion on us. So let's turn to Him in faith. These opening verses of Malachi 2 teach us that even for those who have blown it, there's an opportunity to repent and to be forgiven. Perhaps you have been in a position of authority that you have failed in. You need to know today That at the cross of Jesus Christ, there is salvation for every screw-up. When we admit, confess, and trust in Christ. Malachi 2 teaches us that God holds all people accountable, especially those in authority. Especially those in ministry. We need the grace of God, don't we? To fulfill all our stewardships, particularly the stewardship of Christian ministry. So if you're an aspiring minister, you should be sober about this calling. If you are a current minister, guard your life and doctrine. Take God's word to heart. Fulfill your ministry. Because you will give an account. We've seen from Malachi 2 that impure ministers disregard God's warnings. They distort scripture's teaching. And they damage God's people. May the Lord give ministers to His church that walk with Him, listen to His word, bless His people, and exercise godly authority. May we, as Liberty Baptist Church, avoid the dangers of impure ministers by being pure ministers and appointing godly messengers of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You for Your word. Even in a chapter like Malachi 2, there are so many relevant points of application God, we thank you that all of your scripture is inspired and profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Would you do that now for us? Would you call us to holiness, to revere your name, so that your name would be honored in our lives and in your church? In Jesus' name, amen.